Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It's Monday, the 14th of August. Where do the weekends go? It's yet another week. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How's the weekend, Ryan Huang? It was awesome. Quite restful. How about yours, Michelle? Yeah, restful is a good word to use to put it. Yeah, I've got a new hobby, Ryan. What is your new hobby? It's uh, imagine puzzles, right? And the the size of a puzzle, take each puzzle size and divide it by about 100. Uh, it's a nano puzzle. <laughs> it's called diamond painting. So it's like paint by numbers. You start with an image. Diamond. And then imagine painting. like grains of sand and you have to find the right place for each grain. So this is on a canvas. Yeah. Okay, and you've got to put specks of colours on these little dots. That's it, you got it, you got it. And, Whoa. you know, the canvases can be the size of half a human being. What you're saying is diamond painting. Do you need like, a magnifying glass of sorts to really make sure you don't colour out the lines? Or? The little resins, it, uh, instead of grains wow, of sand, I see, I they, see. they're refracted. So oh, well, so what sparkle. picture do you get up to? Um, it is an actual creature, an undersea creature. I will show you a picture of it. Okay, I'm guessing. (laughs) All right, let's start this morning. Anyway, the point of me bringing that up was my weekend was just enveloped by by this craft. I mean, it's so much fun. Let's start this morning with a fresh look at Singapore's corporate landscape. We are neck deep in earnings and I have to say it feels a little bit like quicksand not just because of all the data that needs crunching but rather because of the state of Singapore earnings. It doesn't matter if you're looking at property or shipping or food. Profits are down. A couple of bright patches. We're going to get to them but let's start first with the region's Two biggest agribusinesses, Olam Group and Wilma International. So Olam's profits plunged nearly 90% during the first half of this year. Wilma's profits slid more than 50%. I thought food prices were up. So why are Olam and Wilma struggling, Ryan? Yeah, good question. So these are also the guys who deal with lots of sand and small stuff. So it is slipping away when you look at the earnings. So... If you look at the first half performance being flat by Wilma, they say they were affected by a slowdown in many markets, even though on some fronts, you've got food prices going up, what they are selling. Uh, this includes the likes of palm oil, fertilizer. Those prices are down. Mm. Plus, margins are down, which means the profit they're making is being compressed by as you expect, high expenses for people, labor, uh, high expenses for just running things, keeping lights on. So all these things coming together means that they are making less money. If you look at Olam, they post an 88.8% drop, even though lots of 8 is not a great number here for Olam. Uh, this hurt by a lower crop yield for its almond orchards in Australia. So that affects the supply and also the type of quality of almonds they can sell. So not great if you look at what's been playing out in terms of weather. Quite erratic. So the quality they can sell affects what they can make. And you've got higher borrowing costs as well, which has been quite a familiar theme for many companies. Uh, They are also struggling on that front. So they, for example, flagged a couple of things in the past quarter. Last month, Olam flagged lower bee activity during pollination due to bad weather. So this is expected to lead to a unexpected drop in yield and quality of their harvest for almonds in Australia this year. So that's a bit of a warning that you know, the worst is not over yet. 
Climate change taking, uh, you know, they're taking the hit from climate change. Clearly, despite the plunge in Wilma's profits, it will pay shareholders the same dividend as a year ago. That's six cents a share. Olam shareholders, not quite as fortunate. The Olam Group is cutting its interim dividend payment by 25% to three cents a share. In the meantime, the Olam Group has been working to spin off one of its units on the Saudi Arabia Stock Exchange, but its poor profits are having an impact on these plans. Tell us more about the spin-off. Yeah, so we were expecting this to come through in the first half of this year. Well, not happening right now. And this is now being pushed back again to the first half of next year. And the idea of going for an IPO is you want to present best numbers to investors to say, hey, this is a company that's making lots of money and I want to invest in this. But if you look at the latest quarter, it's not super peachy. Uh, You've got some weaknesses, some weak spots. So what they would want to do is to make sure everything is nicely presented, you know, everything's sorted out before they go for an IPO so that investors don't have any reason to discount them and they can get the best price possible for raising funds. So that, it looks like, might take some time and they push back that time to sometime in the first half of next year. So we'll see if they need to push it back again because going by what we've been discussing, these problems are likely to stick around. We'll keep an eye on Olam's spin-off plans, Ryan, though it's going to be some time, it seems, before they come to fruition. Olam shares, meanwhile, have been struggling this year. They are down 14% over the past three months. The Olam Group and Wilma are not the only Singapore-listed food companies that are struggling at the moment. The owner of the popular Ajisen Ramen restaurants is reporting a big decline in earnings as well. That company is Japan Foods, and its profits are down 85%. Japan Foods has been raising its prices, but apparently not as much as its costs have gone up. So what is the outlook for Japan Foods going forward? Yeah, here's a fun fact. I was hmm. so uh, deeply in love with Ajisen, I was eating it almost every day for one month. So that <laughs> is how much I loved my ramen back then. So going into the results, it is not super. It is, in fact, reporting a net profit in the first quarter down 84.5%. And this is due to Higher expenses, Mm -hmm. they're also flagging intense competition, a manpower crunch, the rising cost of operations. Uh, All these are quite familiar themes if you've been covering earnings in the past few weeks. Uh, These are familiar reasons being cited. If you look at the gross profit margin, that's been reflected with a half a percentage point drop to 84.3% for the first quarter. So that's the gross profit margin. So Japan Foods, even though it sees higher footfall in the past few months, it says the next few months, the next 12 months, is going to remain challenging in view of what it sees as economic and industry headwinds. So Mm. alluding to how perhaps people might start to tighten their purse strings and maybe how labour costs, wages might need to see some upwards revision. So all these challenges are saying, are seeing the group say that it will need to work harder at managing expenses. So not a great sign, quite ominous, but mm-hmm. more cost-cutting to come.
Yeah, lean times uh, for Japan Foods going forward. If you look at their food strategy, Japan Foods, you'll see that it is working to contain cost pressures and to address that manpower crunch. Maybe it could benefit from Steve L's robo restaurant technology that we talked about last week um, about how L's new restaurant chain, Colonel, could have as few as three employees per restaurant as it relies more on robots. I mean, I'm sure you liked your ramen because of the broth, not yeah, so much yeah. because of the service. I don't know. I'm happy with just the food being good, right? So if you just have a vending machine for me to punch up my ticket, I'm good with that as well. <laughs> Do you really need a waiter to take my order? Maybe not. <laughs> got it, got it. Let's segue to another Singapore company that's been in the news for all the wrong reasons. I am talking about HPL, a hotel properties limited. Its managing director, Ong Beng Seng, has been caught up in a CPIB corruption probe along with Transport Minister S. Iswaran. Well, HPL is reporting earnings and the company is in the red. It's lost more than $17 million during the first half of this year. So what's going on? Why is HPL seemingly sinking? Yeah, doesn't look too good for HPL. So a couple of familiar reasons again. Higher borrowing costs. That seems to be a running theme for many companies. So this is one big reason why it moved into the red. And if you look at the other things that are being flagged, you've got the mark-to-market fair value loss on some long-term investments. So that is now $8.4 million dollars. That compares with 11.6 million last year. So you've got these two reasons as the main factors why HPL is not doing well. So um, something that will possibly see more pressure down the road because there isn't a clear light at the end of the tunnel yet when this is going to be over. So if you look at where HPL right now is when it comes to share prices... Mm. Uh, it's been going through some headwinds, of course, with the negative headlines. And in the past month, it is down 3.2% to 364. HPL will not be paying any dividend for the first half of the year. HPL shares close. Um, where is it now? Do you know? 364. 364. So down 3.2% for the month. And for the week, down 0.3%. Gosh, the next company on our Monday morning earnings parade is Capitaland Investment. It is doing better than the other companies that we've profiled so this morning, but not by much. Capitaland Investment's profits fell nearly 20% during the first half of the year. Higher interest rates and China's slow economic recovery have taken a bite out of Capitaland's investment's profits. However, the company is still optimistic. Why is that? Yeah, it's... Uh quite bucking the trend here. When you think about China, not a lot of good news coming out from there. And for Capital Land Investment to say it's looking optimistic, it's interesting to see what it's saying. So going into some of the background here first, the context of the numbers, it says the 18.9% drop was due to a couple of reasons. The big one, of course, again, higher interest rates, which have impacted earnings for many companies, including those in real estate. If you just think about it, that is quite logical. Uh, also, deal making has slowed down because of all the uncertainty over interest rates. That's another reason. But it expects that this will stabilize soon around the corner. So uh, no clear timelines, but soon. Also, It is looking optimistic that the Chinese government has signaled that it's going to do something to help prop up the economy, signaling very strongly that it will do more to boost consumption and the private sector investment. So this is where perhaps CLI is looking quite optimistic that things will 
rebound after going through quite a bit of a slump. And, and if you talk about a slump, its share price is down nearly 15% year-to-date. So going through a few headwinds, hopefully it picks up again. Shares of capital and investment down 12% over the past three months. Now, we could focus on more companies with big drops in profits like Costco Shipping, EC World Read and Hongleong Asia. But at the top of the show, I did promise that we would shine a light on a couple of bright spots as well. So here we go. Ryan, I'm going to name a company and you'll tell us why it's doing well. Are you game? Uh, all right, let's go. Yang Zijiang Financial. All right, Yang Zijiang. It's doing well. In fact, it's seeing its... First half profit up 19.2%. And mm. seems like it's doing well because of things outside of China. And this comes off the back of what we've been seeing, the pressure we've been seeing on, in China. So it's looking elsewhere. And it has been able to, what it says, make good progress in tackling its non-performing loans and its debt investment portfolio in China over the past six months. Uh, due partly to effective recovery efforts in the first half. So basically, people owed Yang Jijiang money, they managed to make them pay up. Dividend payments and fees, yeah, giving Yang Jijiang financial a boost. Interestingly, its interest income is down. So shares of Yang Jijiang financial are up 7.5% over the past month. All right, how's the Hopa Corporation doing? Doing pretty good as well. So it's seeing Hopa with a 34.9% rise in net profit for the six months ended June the 30th. So this is seeing Hopa report stronger consumer spending. And I think this has been seen across the hospitality sector widely. People coming to Singapore, visitors are coming and these numbers are going up and spending on all things to do with services and Hopa is benefiting from that. And Tiger Balm as well. Demand for Tiger Balm products seem to be strong. That's the backbone of Haopa's healthcare segment. And it's up 17% for the first half of the year. Haopa also has made investments in the property sector, as well as in companies like UOB and UOL, and in the attractions industry. And these segments not performing as strongly. Shares of Haopa up 7% over the past month. Cheers for Imperado. <laughs> yeah, cheers for them because they are reporting some pretty good numbers. <laughs> Revenue for the first half is up 11%. So this is off the back of what it is flagging. Um, some double-digit growth rates for its whiskey portfolio. Mm-mm. It looks not just resilient but also booming. So that is the big reason here. And key markets include Asia and the United States. In particular, Emperor is singling out single malt whiskey as the outperformer of his outperforming division. Demand for whiskey is strong. Look at Emperado's profits up 11% for the first half of the year. Shares basically flat though. They've been down over the past week and just up 1% since January. All right, let me throw in one international company in the mix and let's look at UBS. We'll do this up or down style. Up or down? Mm, I am going with down. Wait, let me go with up now. Hmm. <laughs> I can't make up my mind here because it's tough to figure out where this will go because UBS is trying to accelerate the integration of Credit Suisse, which it, of course, acquired. So this comes as the... $10 billion, $10 billion safety net uh, against any loss protections that it might make comes to an end. So uh, this coming from 
UBS is, I suppose, short-term pain, long-term gain because if you accelerate it enough, you, know, you just get things done and over with and just mm. you know, move yourself into a brighter and stronger position sooner rather than later. Yeah, it is a tough one to call. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with an up. You know, UBS is going to be facing challenges from small investors who believe that Credit Suisse uh, was valued too low and at the time it was acquired by UBS. You know, so they're launching a lawsuit and that to me is a down. But at the same time, UBS says it will not need to tap on any of the backstop funds for this acquisition that the Swiss government had set aside. So that is a sign of UBS's financial strengths. Overall, I'm going to give it an up. Tough one to call. Let's turn to the U.S. now and a look at broader markets. U.S. stocks finished mixed on Friday with the Dow gaining uh, ground. The S&P 500 finished marginally lower and the Nasdaq dropped two-thirds of a percent. The Nasdaq is the best-performing major U.S. index this year. It is up 30% since January, but the tech-heavy index has also just capped its worst fortnight since last year and it's trading below its 50-day moving average. Not a good sign. What do you make of this? Are investors taking profits or, you know, is there the rumblings of a tech bubble beginning to burst? Yeah, you've got that in the mix, right? When you see the run-up in some of these tech shares, you've got to ask, when is it going to end if it ends? So if you look at the losers last week, it included the likes of semiconductor names like AMD, NVIDIA, Micron. And these are the names that have been benefiting from the AI rally. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the event X semiconductor ETF, which tracks the index or the sector, it was down for the week by 5.2%. That was the worst week since October 2022. So that's about 10 months. So that's a kind of warning that, hey, maybe... People are taking profit as these um, valuations get a bit too rich for them. So you've got that playing out and that helped the Nasdaq down 1.9% last week. Even though we saw the Dow higher, that was supported by some of these strong earnings like from Disney. Uh Uh, That helped support the, the Dow to some extent. But by and large, most of the stocks had a pretty tough week. And I think one of the other reasons is it's quite tough to read into any bright spots because uh, if you look forwards, um, there's so much uncertainty over when or where the Fed is going with its rate policy settings. So that is still in the mix as people try to read into the latest inflation numbers. In fact, last week we had the CPI numbers pointing one way, moderating by the producer price numbers going up. So that adds a lot of confusion to markets. You're right. There, There is a lot of confusion. Uh, some analysts also pointing to U.S. Treasury yields that are rising as a reason for this tech sell-off. Uh, others, though, say that investors are just doing some rebalancing, moving funds out of the high performers and into stocks that have been lagging and could be set to make gains. All right, looking ahead, Ryan, what is on your radar this week? All right. Another busy week when it comes to earnings. And this is going to have the spotlight on the retail sector. Some of the big names to watch out for from the US will be Home Depot, Target and Walmart. And it's going to be an interesting glimpse into the consumer psyche. What are they spending on? Hmm. Is it more value items away from big ticket items like washing machines, TVs, discretionary things like laptops? So that's going to be an interesting picture that might be painted from the retail sector. And of course, they will also give an idea how much of the costs they can pass on to consumers. And of course, the commentary of what's to come in the next few quarters. So that's the earnings season. And from the FOMC, we will be getting the 
minutes from the meeting three weeks ago when they raised rates by 25 basis points. So what to look out for here will be how much of a divergence of views there will be in among the FOMC committee members. Is it all on the same page or to what degree was their dissent? All right. So those minutes from the FOMC meeting and earnings from the retail sector. Investors are going to also be keeping a close eye on Chinese companies like Country Garden and Zhongrong Trust. Now, Country Garden has been in the news for missing payments on overseas bonds. The property developer is now suspending trade in its domestic bonds, 11 of them. Zhongrong Trust may be a new name to many of you listeners. It's a fairly large financial company that is facing financial woes. Zhongrong Trust apparently did not make two payments to two listed companies over the weekend. So stay tuned to see if there are ripple effects. Okay, thank you for joining us this morning. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. More of the show is still to come. Stay with me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.